A quick prayer. Wisdom of God, will you cry aloud in the streets? In the marketplaces, will you raise your voice? At the head of the noisy streets, will you cry out? At the entrance of the city gates, will you speak? That the simple will be made wise, that the desperate would learn to pray, that the tempted would be delivered. We ask this in your name. Amen. We conclude our series on the Lord's Prayer today. This week, uh, with the last petition. Last week we learned to pray uh, as it pertains to sin and forgiveness. And this week our prayer is to be led far from temptations, in fact to be delivered from evil. The Puritans would confess that all are crucified, forgiven, but they rise again in my sinful heart. They confess that even though that our sins are forgiven, we being sinful people often fall back into sin. And so Kevin DeYoung would put it simply as, if trespasses require forgiveness, then temptations need deliverance. So that's our focus today. As the Lord Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The core of this petition is that we are asking God to deliver us from temptations. So we'll look at two things quickly. Uh, what does this mean? And secondly, uh, how do we apply this? Now, the first thing we should affirm is that God does not lead us into temptation. Some would suggest that the nature of this petition to lead us not into temptation is a reaction to the false assumption that there are times that God leads us into temptation, when in fact this is not true. God never leads us into temptation. So quickly, to understand this, to nuance this, we'll turn our attention to James chapter 1, and we'll look at uh, these few verses. Let me read it for us. James 1, 12 to 15. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, but when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So then we can be reassured that, that God does not lead us into temptation. It says, Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. This means that God does allow trials to come, and God does, in fact, test his children, yet this is entirely different from temptations. You see, God as a father allows difficult times, trying times, times of testing to come and it allows his children to grow and mature and to be proofed, so to speak, as children of God through Jesus the Son. So Peter says, therefore, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. Yet we are told that when we are tempted, lured, and enticed, 
It's actually due to our own desires and our own lusts, our own sinfulness. You see, the devil does not make us sin either. So there is no excuse in the devil made me do it. But the devil can tempt and lure and entice according to our sinful palates. He knows our appetites. He knows what we are drawn to. He knows what our proclivities are. So when the heart's desire turns into action as it, as it grafts onto in those moments of temptations, then we know it has birthed sin. Now, here's, here's the difficult reality we have to accept. And here's the difficult thing we have to understand. You ready? The difficult thing we have to come to terms with is that temptation is always around us. Temptation is always around us. On this side of heaven, waking or sleeping, we are surrounded by temptations. And I can assure you that I'm quite capable of being tempted even in my dreams. You see, by the very nature of living and sojourning in a sin-fallen world, we are always and constantly surrounded by temptations. It's like eating jajangmyeon or spaghetti with a white shirt on. You know how much vigilance is required to not even have a speck. So it isn't that the Lord leads us into temptation, but rather He makes sure to lead us not into temptation, even though we are pulled every which way, day and night, constantly. In fact, He delivers us from evil and the evil one. So this is what the Lord Jesus is teaching us to pray. The reality is, we're always, by nature and by context of this sin-fallen world, we're always surrounded by temptations. We're always enticed and lured and called upon. And so we are to pray, lead us not into temptation. And here's what we need to understand, as 1 Peter 5 says here, look with me in verse 8-9. through 9. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And if this was a dynamic translation, it would say, and he's looking at you. And he's looking at you. Verse 9, resist him. The devil is prowling like a roaring lion seeking to devour. Therefore, resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. See, the difficult reality is that the devil, the evil one, is prowling around like a roaring lion and he is seeking someone to devour. He is consistent. In fact, he, you can even say he is steadfast, he's unyielding and persistent. And we are called to resist him, to be sober-minded and watchful, to be alert, on guard, always. And this is tiring. This is a challenge. This is difficult, is it not? Another way that this is explained, the father gives wisdom to his son in Proverbs. 
This is what the father instructs his son by way of wisdom. He says, keep your heart with vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. He also says that the the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil, for her tongue is smooth. And here the father advises his son to keep his heart guarded, to be vigilant about it. Because temptation can come like a roaring lion, but temptation can also come something as simple and small as a drip of sweet honey from the lips of a forbidden woman whose speech is smoother than oil, whose tongue is smooth and knows what you want to hear, knows exactly what you want and entices you. Jesus himself would instruct his disciples in Matthew 26, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Because as willing as we may be, we also know how weak we are. Watch and pray. And perhaps this is why the Lord Jesus even gives his disciples this last petition to pray through. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Watch and pray this. So then how do we apply this? First, we must abhor sin. We have to abhor sin and cherish our Father's heart. We have to understand that sin is the very reason why our Father in heaven sent His one and only Son to die on the cross so that we will be brought in as children. This is the Father's heart. This is His love. He cherishes us. He, he hates sin. So then our sonship, our, our, the fact that we are adopted as children of God, the fact that we can even begin to call or even address God in prayer as our Father, we have to understand is made possible at the price of Jesus' life. Again, God hates sin so much and loves us so much that the Son of God died on the cross for our sins. So knowing this ought to move us to abhor sin and to cherish our Father in deeper ways as often as we hear that good news. I hope this means that whenever we are faced with temptations, rather than entertaining it or giving it some ounce of pleasure, that we would fear like a child does, fear ruining the precious and costly relationship that we have with God our Father. I hope that this means that whenever the evil one comes for us to entice, to lure, to tempt, whether it be through roars or through drops of lips and honey and words spoken with smooth oils, that we would rather stay, that we would rather refrain that we would enjoy the grace and bliss of knowing that our sins are forgiven, our guilt and shame is washed away, and that we would regard that as so precious that we dare not get a speck on it. Because we know not only what it cost Jesus' blood and life, but why God did that. Because He loved us, so that we would be made white as snow.
Oh, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Or as another song would put it, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands than to be a king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. Be on guard, watch and pray. Abhor sin and cherish our Father's heart who has ransomed us as his children. Charles Spurgeon puts it like this, It is the fear of losing the joy of pardoned sin, which thus cries out to the good Lord, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's a heart that understands with joy the pardon of sin that it has received, that cries out, God, I don't want to be stained anymore. I don't want to break your heart. I don't want to displease you. I don't want to ruin this cherished, beloved relationship. Lead us not into temptation. Spurgeon in the same sermon he would give on this topic, gives this illustration, and I'll read it for us here. This is what he gives. He says, I remember the story of a pit man who having been a gross blasphemer, a man of licentious life and everything that was bad, when converted by divine grace, was terribly afraid lest his old companions should lead him back again. He knew himself to be a man of strong passions and very apt to be led astray by others. And therefore, in his dread of being drawn into his old sins, he prayed most vehemently that sooner than ever he should go back to his old ways, that he would die. He did die there and then. Perhaps it was the best answer to the best prayer that the poor man could have offered. I am sure any man who has once lived an evil life, if the wondrous grace of God has snatched him from it, will agree that the pit man's prayer was not one whit too enthusiastic. It were better for us to die at once than to live on and return to our first estate and bring dishonor upon the name of our of Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is what Spurgeon is trying to have us understand by this illustration. That it would that that it would be better that someone who really understands the love and the preciousness of the Father's heart for us would be so moved and feared and would fear returning back to his old ways and sin that he would say, Lord, take me now, lest I break your heart here on this sin-fallen world. 
Would it, would it be that we would rather die than break our father's heart? Do I love him that much? Do I cherish him that much? Do I understand the cost of my adoption that much? That I would rather die than fall into temptation and grieve my loving father's heart? Would I betray him so easily for a drop of honey from the tempter's lips? Second, we must stay on guard with the Father's help. We must abhor sin and cherish our Father's heart. And secondly, we must stay on guard, watching and praying with our Father's help. Brothers and sisters, we got to realize the context we are living in. And I must admit to you, I forget this often, that the nature of our, our, our living and walking in this broken world is that of spiritual battle. We got to realize and understand and see clear with full eyes that we are in spiritual battle constantly. We are being tempted and lured and enticed. As innocuous as a glance may be, or however momentary that thought may linger, Knowing that it is calling you to come in closer and deeper, we have to know that if we linger there, we will fall into its snare. And of course, yes, if we repent again, the Father is quick to forgive. But do we cherish that love so much that we dare not even break His heart or displease Him to begin with? Is that our heart's first disposition to not even want to break our Father's heart? To not count on His forgiveness as something to be cheaply grasped, but to love Him and honor Him and, 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 and to have, want to please Him so much that we would fear and, 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 and dread sin. If we do, that is the heart that is moved to pray as the Lord teaches us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let me give you two encouragements from Scripture. In John 17, 15, Jesus prays for us. And this is what He says. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. This means, this is a testament. As Jesus Himself prays to the Father for us, this is a testament to the reality that we, you and I, can live in this sin-fallen world, yet walk faithfully with God. For He walks with us and He will deliver us. It's not impossible. I know for some of us, we've been in sin's dread sway for so long. Whatever addiction, whatever lust it may be, we may think it is impossible. But here, as Jesus prays for His disciples, for those who follow Him, we know that it is possible not to be simply taken out of this world, but that we can live faithfully as the Lord keeps us and delivers us. Secondly, 1 Corinthians 10.13, here is the truth and encouragement that we are to remember always in moments of temptation that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Resist the devil. Listen to wisdom calling, because God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He will provide an escape. He will deliver you. So teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way. 
And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. You can't fight temptations alone. You can't do it by sheer will. You can't simply do it by accountability measures. You need the Lord's help. And that's why we pray. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Let me leave you with this. No matter how impossible your addictions or lusts may be, no matter how big or small, God can lead you out of it. It may require accountability. It may require counseling. It may even require medication. Or it may be simple as just closing your eyes, turning it off, or walking away. But in this, in this scope, grand or small, it must start with the prayer that says, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Brother and sister, friends, don't give up in trusting the Lord and crying out to Him. This is what the Lord Jesus teaches us to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We spend a moment in prayer.